I always say that um, I didn't find stand-up comedy. Comedy found me. Mm. Always a fan of it. Even as a child, I would sneak and stay up late to watch The Tonight Show to see mm. who the comics were going to be. I always just admired comedians for their bravery, but also their mental gymnastic ability. Mm. I mean, to take mm, something... Yeah really simple and extrapolate on it or to take something really complex and break it down i just i i just thought it was such, it was genius it was a gift and i thought comics were mm. the smartest people in the world never in a million years did i think it would be something i would do hello and welcome to the what's so funny about podcast uh, brought to you by the liberation comedy project my name is pedro silva i am your host and we are very excited to have as our first guest kareth foster a comedian and entrepreneur founder of inversity solutions and the foster russell alliance for meaningful expression uh, we love to say that we talk to funny people about serious topics and we're ready to kick off our inaugural episode with kareth enjoy so you know i want to just ask you a series of questions and we can just kind of play around with it as we go but the number one question as someone who's kind of stumbled into comedy myself i'm always curious how do people get into comedy so i want to start off by asking you that how did you get into comedy I always say that um, I didn't find stand-up comedy. Comedy found me. Mm. Always a fan of it. Even as a child, I would sneak and stay up late to watch The Tonight Show to see mm. who the comics were going to be. I always just admired comedians for their bravery, but also their mental gymnastic ability. Mm. I mean, to take mm. something... Yeah really simple and extrapolate on it or to take something really complex and break it down i just i i just thought it was such it was genius it was a gift and i thought comics mm. were some of the smartest people in the world never in a million years did i think it would be something i would do but in august of well really july 1997 i was working at the view Mm -hmm. And I ran into a young woman who was an intern at the soap opera, All My Children. She stops me in the ladies' lounge. She's like, can you watch me do my set? And I always tell people, if anyone asks you to watch them do something in a New York City bathroom, you run. <laughs> but she proceeded to do like six, seven minutes of stand-up comedy. I was like, how did you learn to do that? She's like, I took a class. I go, you think oh, I wow. could? And she goes, yeah, actually, I signed up and I can't do it. Maybe you can take my place. And I was desperate for some kind of artistic, creative expression. I mm. was, you know, part of the production staff at The View, but it was a lot of, it wasn't even like, you know, menial labor, like making copies and getting coffee. It was serious production work. I mean, mm -hmm. we were at the time a brand new startup show. We mm -hmm. were quite understaffed for what we, the tasks that were given. I was working 14, 16 hour days, Ooh. but I didn't have an outlet for anything creative. And so I treated myself for my birthday to a stand up comedy class, $300 mm. at Gotham Comedy Club. Nice. Uh, when it was the old Gotham on 22nd between 5th and 6th. Yeah, Batman somewhere around the corner. Oh, right? yeah. Okay. And from the very first time I was on stage, I just knew that's where I was supposed to be. And that's something I was supposed to be doing in my life. And mm. 
it of course became an amazing vehicle for all the other things that followed. Awesome. Wow. That is crazy. You know, um, I got into it. it you know, I noticed that your birthday is uh, the date is one day from my mom's my birthday. My mom's birthday is on June 29th. Okay. And so much of like, I was like, man, is this something in the stars? Because my mom, like everything that you did, my mom like did, but like to a lesser degree, but it was all like, she's always hilarious. And I would like look at my mom being hilarious and she would do these little shows and performances and things like that. They weren't comedy specifically. They were mixed with poetry and some other stuff, uh, but she was hilarious. And I always thought like, I can't do that because at the time I was like, besides not being funny, I also was like super serious. So, and my mom was like super expressive and emotional and make faces and all this other stuff. And I was like super stoic. So I didn't think I could pull it off. Um, but then I don't know, somewhere when I first did it, something like inside of me, I don't know what, like my mom's spirit, even though she's still alive, like jumped into my mm -hmm. body. I don't know what it was, but it's something that I was like, wow, there's so much of who I am that kind of is contained in these different spaces. And obviously I used to be a pastor and everything. And it just like, it was like so many opportunities to get stuff out and using comedy that I was like, wow, man, this is like so awesome. So I can totally see. Um, I think that's that a being... misnomer, though, about comics. Oh, yeah? that, like, comics are the life of the party. They're the class clown. Like, mm. I was not. I was mm. vice president of the Latin club. <laughs> like, oh, no. I was a dork in cool kids' clothing. Oh, and nice. I was always very, you know, kind of goody two-shoes, really, mm. which is why I didn't think it was for me either. But I, I had a quick wit, and I had a very unique perspective, and I saw things differently, and I... You know, I made my friends laugh, but I was never like, look at me, look at me. Mm -hmm. That was not it at all. But, oh, wow. and I, I think that's what a lot, a lot of comics are actually very much introverts. Mm. Wow. Very, oh, well, then I'm, I'm qualified. You get on that stage, right? Yeah. And you come alive. I mean, I have performed with strep throat. Not that I now think that was good with the other comics and passing the mic, but I didn't know I was sick at the time with it, but like 102 fever, like, there's something magical that happens when you get on stage and it's like you were just divinely connected to source. So I don't think it's a far fetch that, you know, as a former pastor, mm -hmm. your calling was to speak to people, to teach people, to guide people. Like that's what comedians do. And what's fascinating yeah. is that the top professions that tend to gravitate toward comedy are lawyers, teachers, and ministers oh nice yeah i saw an article in the headline while i was still a pastor i saw an article in the headline said why dave Chappelle is the pastor the world needs now mm. and i was like and I, it struck me and i said what and i read it and i was kind of like i got it and it was a lot of it was about the way he like challenges people and forces people to have conversations they would not normally have um, and even when you disagree with them, you can see like the trajectory of uh, how he navigates language and all these other things. And I was like, man, that's that's pretty, pretty sick. So, yeah, that's that's a uh, very interesting. I know Sam Kinison. We used to be a pastor. Yes, yeah. uh, and I never I never thought I was going to be a Sam Kinison type, but uh, he was a very interesting character, too, in the in the comedic landscape. So one of the reasons why we started this project is because, you know, we live in a world that's hyper polarized. Right. 
And one of the things I, I observed was that even though people might not laugh at the same thing, some of the components of what makes something funny to a person is similar. And like the building up of tension that happens and then the release of tension that happens in the form of laughter and all these things. So I and a lot of other people have started to think about how comedy uh, can serve the efforts of building social cohesion in larger societies. So that's my question to you. How do you see comedy serving efforts uh, to build social cohesion in larger societies? Well, I, I cannot help but echo your sentiments on everything. I mean, literally everything you said is right on. Even from Dave Chappelle being so, uh, you know, a, a, a pastor, if you will, of sorts. Mm-hmm. Because comedians are the truth tellers. Mm-hmm. And right now we, we need to face the truth. Yeah. And the truth is we have more in common than we don't. Yep. The truth is there's a lot of trauma in the world that we bring into our spaces, into our families, into our society, into our workplaces. And comedy is healing and it's cathartic. And we need that to be able to overcome the past stresses and traumas. We need to heal to come together. And mm-hmm. I think if laughter can provide that space, I mean, there's so many studies on the psychological, physiological um, attributes that come with laughing. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly something that I use regularly in my workshops, in my keynotes, in all of the programming that I have. I, it's almost kind of like my secret sauce. Mm-hmm. The problem is you can't just teach everybody to be funny. Like, right. In my mind, it's, it's kind of like kissing if you're good at it or you're not. <laughs> oh, I that took a class, kissing class for $300. That, yeah, that doesn't mean you can't train yourself and develop and hone your skills. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is something that is innate in people who, who do this. Mm. And granted, we are different styles. We have different, you know, methodologies. But the through line is that we tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I definitely hear that. And it's, I know just being going from the pulpit to doing stand up here and there is I find that I can even tell the truth more in the context of comedy than I could in the pulpit for a variety of reasons that I won't get into right now, because I wanted to um, bring up one of your entrepreneurial efforts uh, based off of what you were just saying, which was inversity and give you a chance to talk a little bit about inversity because as I was listening to you talk, I was like, and this is why she does inversity. So tell us a little bit about inversity and maybe how comedy plays into your work there. Absolutely. So inversity is the brainchild that came from wanting to, to bring people together, wanting to heal the world. And what I saw and observed over many years with diversity efforts It wasn't that people's hearts weren't in the right place and that their intentions weren't sincere. It was the methodology. It was the delivery. It was the execution of the programs. And I realized that, wait a second. I mean, as a comedian and a wordsmith, someone who pays attention to language because of what I do, what I saw was a whole lot of division happening. Right. And I'm like, wait a second. Look at the word diversity. I mean, the prefix is D-I-V. What are all the words that start with that? (laughs) Division. Division. 
divorce. Yeah. And we're shocked that we're telling people to utilize diversity as something to bring us together when what it really is doing is having us focus on what separates and divides us. So I thought, well, what's the opposite of that? What's the, what's the introversion of that? And it was inversity. Mm. So the idea behind the work that I do with inversity is still honoring and celebrating all that we are, all that make us up, all of the things that make us individuals, our identity, expanding the definition of diversity to include diversity of thought and ideas, but shifting the focus from what separates and divides us to what is it we have in common, how can we be truly inclusive of one another, but most importantly and powerfully, being introspective, going inward to understand your value and worth so you can then see it in someone else. We've been working from the outside in. Yeah, this whole yep. time and th- that doesn't work, not right. for long at least. Right. No, that's awesome. Awesome. So I was I've been curious about this ever since I learned about your work. Um, obviously, some people are for like sensitive, let's say, you know, and so you can try to lighten things up by calling out some things in the world, and they'll even if you don't mean it this way, they can take it as shameful, right? And I've been curious in your work where you're bringing people together, showing them what we have in common, inviting them to engage and to do some introspection and all of those things um, and blending that with comedy. Is there anything off limits when it comes to uh, your delivery of comedy? So for comedy, just in general, like the mm-hmm. rule is all is fair in love and comedy. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that means anything can go at a comedy mm-hmm. club. Mm. But there are rules within the comedy world. And the number one rule is be funny. (laughs) Followed closely by rule one and a half, which is know your audience. Mm. And so it's that second rule that needs to be applied when you are speaking to a corporate audience, when you're speaking to a church audience, when you're speaking to young people. You know, you have to know mm-hmm. your audience. And I think, yeah. honest to goodness, having done stand-up for 25 plus years, I started when I was five. Ring nice. Ring. Uh, <laughs> that has given me the skills of, of a master communicator. Mm. Because you have to know your audience and you have to be able to reach people where they are. Right. And you cannot speak over their heads. You cannot talk down to them, not... If you are sincere about conveying a thought, an idea, a concept, and having it be received well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the same with being a pastor. Actually, kind of, I, I half bombed in a at a comedy set in uh, Hawaii, which was kind of hilarious. Um, and I might, I don't know if I broke the first rule of not being funny, or the second rule of or the one and a half of not knowing my audience. But I didn't. I it was my first time uh, jumping out there, and I, I think some people laughed a little bit. But I, I said, uh, I mentioned that I used to be a pastor, and the other comedians like turned <laughs> turned on me, and like like used me as a what of jokes later okay you know and i was was interesting yeah 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 so i I, interestingly i wonder i'm like hmm maybe they were like that's not the audience you know we'll revenge you (laughs) i don't know what happened but it was a good lesson i think they just took it and ran with it because that that's a 
kind of unusual thing. I mean, you don't hear right. that regularly. Right. And they saw it as an opportunity. You know, now it yeah. also depends on how seasoned they were, if right. they were able to make it work. But right. You know, if you can find like a through line or a theme, like, and then everybody right. can kind of play along and build on it, a little bit like improv, but yeah, obviously more individual. I laughed at it, but my family was kind of like, hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all good. So, um, one of the things we have a question we have, folks, is like, what's so funny about? And that's the name of the, Ooh, the podcast. I like this so what's so funny about them? Try to pick something that is uh, not awesome. So, uh, you know, something that people wouldn't laugh about. So what's so funny about illness? Oh, gosh. I, well, first of all, it's universal. Oh, yeah. Everybody's been there. Yeah. Everybody's had their head hanging over the toilet and they've mm. been, quote unquote, praying to the porcelain gods for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Right. Too many libations or the flu yeah. or whatever. Like, Comedy comes from pain, right? Right, right. You know, they say tragedy plus time equals comedy. That's the equation. Yeah, I just heard that the other day. Right? That's the equation. Mm -hmm. And so if you can take something that's universal and that sucks, Mm. everyone's like, oh, my God, yeah, I've been divorced, Mm -hmm. right? Cancer, death. I mean, all the stuff you think are too taboo and, oh, you can't go there. Some of the, think about this. Some of the funniest sitcom episodes are like take place around funerals mm, yep that's true right there's that's... nothing funny about death it's horrible yeah it's the end of someone's life it's it's a relationship that you'll never have again it's someone you won't see but because it is so universal and it is so deep and it is so painful to be able to find the humor not of the death itself but right it's that that's and that's the beauty of comedy because that shows our resilience. Mm. No, that's awesome. And I think people I, that miss the point, people that look to be offended by these things, mm-hmm. they're not understanding that that's what it's about. Domestic abuse, nothing funny about that. Right. But there are comics who get up on stage and we'll talk about it and we'll say something. And like people are like, oh my God, yeah, that's so wrong. But yeah. yeah. Right. It's, 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 and that's, that's what, comedy does and it doesn't always have to go there obviously like seinfeld was you know the master of talking about nothing right and making it for the mundane and that's yeah that sucks too yeah boring sucks (laughs) but he made it interesting yeah, no, that was awesome. You were quick, you were really quick on your feet. I was gonna ask what's funny about racism at first, but I was like, nah, she already studied this enough. I'm gonna throw illness out there, but you got uh, it right there. So that's cool. Well, you know what's uh, funny? Can I tell you what's funny about racism? Yeah. Uh, oh, sure. Well, no, and th- that sounds so weird. <laughs> Let's tell you what's funny about race. The absurdity. Mm. Oh, right? Yeah. The absurdity of hating another person or group of people. Because they have more melanin than you, because they speak a different language, because yeah. their hair is a different texture, because their features right. like that's absurdity. Right. And that's and so illness. That's what we're making fun of is the absurdity of these things. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I uh I had like a I, I want to jump off this just because it's kind of funny. So I had this one time I was trying to give uh, money to a homeless person mm-hmm. and I was, I gave it one to one guy and I was going to give money to this other dude, but he, he didn't realize I was going to give money to him. So he started calling me the N word and he was, he was yelling it at me. 
and I had a mask on and I had on a, a hoodie and stuff like that. So you couldn't see my face, but you obviously could tell I was brown. And so this guy, he's calling me the N-word. And I'm like, what's this fool's calling me the N-word? So, but I ignored him. So then I uh, was going to still give him some money because of my whole Jesus thing. So I was thinking <laughs> I was still going to give him some money and just kind of forgive him. But since I didn't respond to the N-word, he started calling me uh, a spick because he started assuming I was uh, He was Mexican. just going through the yeah, 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 yeah. So then he was like, so he he's started. Like, oh, he's, he must not be black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he next started to my arsenal of insults. Yeah, yeah. So he starts saying that, and he's like, he's saying it repeatedly, and I'm like, what in the world? This fool is really about this racism, the white dude, you know. And then I saw, I said, I said, okay, I'm gonna power through it. So I walk up to him and I said, hey man, I was like, you know, do you want some money? And he jumps up and he's like, yeah, yeah, I want some money. And he's all like happy or whatever. And as I'm handing him the money, he looks at me and he squints in me to look at me and he goes, Al Qaeda. <laughs> and he, he was like he just was like he was like which one are you man and i was like good night man what is this and, then, oh, and it's like it was hilarious so you know and i talked about it in my next sermon because i was just like man this is ridiculous like this is like that's awesome though and that's that's yeah. what's funny because it's real life is funny yeah right? real life and, and i totally get you just made me think of back in the day you know i lived in new york city i was in harlem for 20 years and I would as well, like give money to homeless people and, and feed them or, and, but my, my thing was always like, you know, in my mind, like, what if this is Jesus, right? Oh like, yeah. Yep. What yep, if this absolutely. is, and this is a test, yeah. right? And then I would do it. I'm like, but Jesus wouldn't tell me I had a nice rack and a lot of junk in my trunk. Would he? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> if I was a pastor, if I was still a pastor, I'd ask them this Sunday. <laughs> no, I doubt it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, yeah, the whole Jesus thing is a trip, man. Gives me so much trouble. So what's the um, best response that you received from a joke or uh, a funny story that you told, like where you were just like, well, okay, I killed it just now. Like, can you remember, like, maybe it was like the first time you ever did stand up or something where you're just like, you know, you killed it. You know, there are so many instances where I've, I mean, I'm so fortunate and so blessed. I. I can count on one hand how many times I've actually been heckled, hmm. which is almost unheard of for someone who's had a career as long as I have. Now, that doesn't mean I haven't bombed. Oh, I bombed terribly. Mm-hmm. But as far as being heckled, like I, I, mm-hmm. I've been on a show once where everybody on the show got heckled by me. And I don't know if it's because they didn't know what to make of this black girl with this kind of whitish sounding voice. Like, and they were just stunned. <laughs> They're like, stunned, yeah. They were stunned in a silence. Um, but the, probably one of the best responses I got, I was on an all women lineup at this show in Bud Lake, New Jersey, put on by this woman named Jody Wiener. That was her real last name. Hmm. God rest Sorry, did you say Bud Light, New no, Jersey? No, Bud, Bud Lake. Okay, Bud okay, okay. Lake. B-U-D-D <laughs> Lake. All right, nice. And there was a theater called the Pax Amicus Theater. Mm. And by day, it, they would put on like children's plays. And at night, they would mm. have, you know, actual theater shows. Mm-hmm. But every few weekends, they would have comedy shows. And my friend would produce shows there called, like, uh, Ladies of Laughter, I think it was. Mm. Anyway, I was there with four of my three of my other friends from New York City. And I, one of them had to take off. But it was after the show. What was so great about the show was there was no alcohol in the venue. So mm. the laughter was genuine. It was real. Mm. Like, nobody acting a fool. It was people who had worked hard all week. They wanted to come out and just, you know 
take a load off and laugh. So it was the end of the show and people are coming up left and right. Oh, that was great. You were so funny. And that was, that's a really honestly part of the payment because mm, yeah. like a Kevin Hart or an Amy Schumer, you are not making a Dave Chappelle, like that kind of money out of show. Right. Right. So the payment is the adulation, you know? Right. And um, this woman comes up, like makes a beeline to me and my friends. And we're expecting the same thing. Oh, that was so funny. You were so great. And the first words out of her mouth were, my son was killed six months ago. Mm. And we were like taken aback. And you don't know what to say when someone says that to you. And she's, right. she then said, tonight was the first time I've laughed since. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and that's she huge. gave us a hug. I was in the middle. She kissed me on the forehead. And I still get emotional and I get goosebumps. Yeah. Because it was like, what a gift that we were able yeah. to give someone for 90 minutes of yeah. her day that she probably still is in pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. But to give her that escape. Yeah. Like, that's the power of comedy. Yeah. That's no, probably that's the best awesome. compliment I've ever been given. No, that is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think about all the times when I did memorial services mm -hmm. um, as a pastor and it's something about laughing, even even if it's not like directly about the person, it brings it's it's like a resurrection type energy. Like it brings people back to life. It brings uh, like so many things back to life. And, and sometimes it's out of uh, like putting flesh on dry bones to use a, a biblical term. It's like you're you feel like like empty and then this laughter comes out and then, you know, that there, it, like laughter, almost in some weird way, um, kind of is an indicative of a future, you yes. know. And and a yes. lot of times, our despair comes from feeling like we don't have a future. And laughter, it kind of is, is almost like there is a future. You know? And this is why we have to protect comedy at all costs, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even though it's subjective, even though not everybody sees it the same way, even though we have different tastes. We cannot let cancel culture. Mm -hmm. erase comedy mm -hmm. because then we're also basically giving in to the despair yeah yep absolutely so contrary to that what is the worst response you received from a <laughs> funny story so, and then how, how'd you handle it oh this is a story to end all stories i it was early 2000s and i got selected to be one of the comics on Jamie Foxx's Laugh-A-Palooza for Comedy Central. Mm, whoa. Yeah. And you know who was on the lineup with me? Joe Coy. Oh, wow. Lunell. Wow. I'm trying to think who else was there. But they're probably the biggest names that I can remember. Mm -hmm. And i thinking, okay, Atlanta. I, I got this. I got cousins in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, like, Spellman Atlanta, Morehouse Atlanta. Oh no. Not as soon as you said that, I'm like, uh oh. Not Pootie Tang Atlanta. Oh, nice. And Tang the thing was, I, I had this, it wasn't false arrogance because I just like six months prior done Showtime at the Apollo in Harlem, mm. like the hardest audience in the world. Right. I mean, they boo children at the Apollo. Mm -hmm. which Right. It's no holds barred. Like they will, if you right. they don't like you, they will go after you and Sandman comes out and gets you. 
And right. I got applause breaks at the mm. Apollo. So I'm like, mm. I'm invincible. I can do anything now. Oh, man. I go down <laughs> to this laughable lizard thing. And I was scheduled to go up day two. Now, there were so many mitigating circumstances. The first was that Jamie Foxx's grandmother, who basically raised him, was like on her deathbed. Mm. And unfortunately, he had to leave after the first day of shooting. Mm. So they brought Earthquake in. Oh, okay. To take his place. But because Mm -hmm. of that, that would ruin the continuity of the show. Mm -hmm. So they would have to splice him in later with like Mm -hmm. voiceovers. Mm-hmm. But they still had Earthquake hosting and doing, you know, comedy in between. But there's going to be these long pauses. So they had to make sure that Earthquake was off the stage. They were set to bring out the other comic. Like, you know, in comedy, like, there's supposed to be a flow. There's an energy. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the warm-up comic or the MC gets everybody hyped and then mm-hmm. brings the comic on stage. So the energy is just like, yeah. there's a continuum. Well, there wasn't. It came to a screeching mm-hmm. So then the comic had to get everybody back up, whoever that comic right. was. Well, that was one part of it. The other part of it was, again, not the Atlanta I thought I was going to. Right. I get up there with hair like this, my hair, real hair, mm-hmm. cute little preppy outfit. I open my mouth with this voice and people stare at me like it I was am over. speaking Chinese. We're in the Earthlink Center. No, the American Airlines Center. Mm. 4,000 seats, 8,000 mm. eyeballs staring at me. Mm. I was supposed to do eight to 10 minutes. Mm. I'm pretty sure they gave me the light at four. Mm. I only got two laughs. My cousins were in the audience. Mm. It was just silence. Like, I, I almost, it was like that blink blink from Trolls. You remember the movie uh-huh. the trolls, uh, uh-huh. Frozen? And the trolls uh-huh. go blink blink. Like, you can hear people yeah, yeah. laugh. If I could have spontaneously combusted on that stage, those people wouldn't have been happier. I get off stage, I'm like crying because I'm like, my people, why have you forsaken me? Right? I'm hysterical, bawling. And the worst part was there was not one camera crew, but two because somebody was shooting a documentary and they're following me off stage. And I get to the green room. And I'm, you know that cry when you're like four years old and you can't catch it? <laughs> yeah. Like that was the cry I had. My eyelashes yeah. are all coming off. And this one girl, her name was Diamond. She basically just kind of adopted me. She's like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. I'm thinking of ways to just end it all. And she's like, Kara, there's some people at the door who want to see you. I'm like, no, no, I can't see anybody. There's like, no, I think you want to see them. So I'm thinking it's my family. My mm-hmm. cousins, they opened the door. Why did my cousins? They left. They were oh, like, this is, we can't even look at her. Oh, Jesus. Two white guys and two black guys, gay as the day is long. And they were like, we just want to let you know that you were fabulous. Oh, <laughs> nice. Nice. Those four men saved my life that night. Man, that is awesome. I was on the verge. And what's crazy is, after that bombing, which is what we call it in comedy, when you do mm. verbal, like, I don't think I bombed for another five years. It was like, it was mm. all accumulated into that yeah. one in front of television crews and like right. Comedy Central rep. It was horrible. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but it was, it was a life lesson, you know, and you yeah. always it is your last show. 
I mean, yeah. I thought about giving comedy up after that. After that, yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. And you know, and so you know what's funny is like it. This is like a, I'm like laughing and thinking about it and imagining, it, especially from a black perspective, and it's like living in Atlanta myself at some point, and thinking about like where I grew up. And it's like it's obviously it was painful for you. You're sharing the story, and then I can't help but laugh, which is like just indicative of everything <laughs> we said before. Because I'm it just imagining. Funny, it is funny because you know, like you're like, oh, those people did not want to hear from Kara, like. And this is my real, I grew up in the whitest sub of white suburbs in Plano, Texas. Like, I'm not faking my voice. This is just who I am and how I sound. Right. And yeah. they were not having it. Like, I think they thought I was putting in, I don't know what they thought. I, I yeah. cannot read the minds of 4,000 people, but right. it was a terrible, terrible. Man. Well, thanks for sharing that and reliving it for, uh, <laughs> for I can laugh know, about it now, obviously. Who, yeah. But it was yeah. So painful. Oh, it hurts so bad. Yeah. One of my friends, he says that like when we have experiences like that, he just calls like that's the tuition you pay to like learn like another thing. So it's just like that's one of the things like when I have an experience that I'd rather not have, I always go, okay, that was my tuition. So I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like that's kind of like how I could imagine that. And I'll tell you, like I have in the context that I've been doing comedy, I haven't had an opportunity to do comedy in front of like a black audience like an all black audience is like a couple because where I live is not a lot of black people. So you get like a couple, you know what I mean? And I myself have wondered like, Oh man, this is going to be the test. Like if I can go in front of like to me for whatever reasons, it's like if I can go in front of uh, black folks and then like, and do comedy and then they laugh, then I will be like, okay, I'm, I'm doing it now. But partially that I think about that is what you said earlier about that comedy comes from pain, you know? Cause I know like a lot of like when my brothers and I get together and we'll be talking about some stuff. And like, if, when we used to say stuff in front of like people that weren't black, they would just be like, how are you laughing at this? You know? And they would be like, this is terrible. You're laughing at abuse or, you know, or some, something, right. but it would be like, it would be like, well, you know, this is, this is how we revivify. This is how we resurrect. This is how we, you know, yada, yada, yada. So it's like, it's like all of that is there. And just even the recovery that you said, like you had from your experience, it's like, that's why, that's why we laugh, you know? So that is awesome. Doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. Yep. Unless, expression, because it's true. It's true. And that's, I think that's such an important aspect of life that we're not talking about right now. Like, yeah, there's a great book that I got to contribute to called The Coddling of the American Mind. And it began mm. as a an article written mm-hmm. authored by Jonathan Haidt, the NYU mm, yeah. Yeah. and Greg Lukianoff, CEO and president of FIRE. And one of the things that they talk about, aside from the rise of social media and that being part of our downfall, is how we have created a generation of people who we've convinced are fragile. Mm-hmm. And when you believe that about yourself, then that's how you behave. Yeah. And that's how you engage in the world. And we're not fragile. We're right. actually very, very resilient. Yeah. We wouldn't be here if we weren't. And so we have to really correct that, that way of thinking. And that's something that comedy can help do. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. You know, one of my, that same guy who said about, we talked about the tuition thing, his name's Marshall Thurber. He used to teach like motivational classes, sort of speak, or sort of like motivational, but there's different kinds of courses. And he talks about um, being beyond resilient and that we need to get like to the state beyond resilience where he calls it like going hydra so like the mythological creature hydra like if you cut off his head it grows two heads he's like we need something like that to recover from this state that we're in right now and that's something i like i think about a lot is like you know i made a lot of big shifts in my life and like i've jumped off of cliffs and like start my life all over again and people are like how are you gonna do it and i'll just like assume that i'm gonna survive and that once I get past that survival stage, I'll move into a thriving stage. Um, and but that isn't something that people generally believe. So for like our final question, um, what do you think it would take to get us besides comedy? But, you know, even if comedy is the medium through which we do it, how do we get people to realize that they are uh more, they're stronger than they think they are, that they, we aren't fragile, that we are uh, beyond resilient, more than conquerors, if we will. Like, what, what does, what do you think that takes and how can comedy help us remember that? Sure. So, you know, I, I wrote a book called You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Happy. Mm, yeah. And uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> there's no such thing as perfection. Right. Even though we strive for it. Right. And we also seek it out in others, which is mm -hmm. an unfortunate uh, mistake. Yeah. Happiness is a choice. It's as individual mm -hmm. as we are. Mm. But there's a caveat because happiness is not a constant. Mm. It's okay to have a bad day or a bad couple of days. It's okay to not want to get out of bed. Yeah. For a day or a weekend. Three weeks, you should probably talk to someone. Right. Um, but I think so much of it boils down to knowing, assuming, believing that you are enough. Mm. Just as you are. Absolutely. And we're not told that. We're certainly not told that by society. Yeah. And you can't turn on the television or social media and, you know, not see either ads for medications because your body's broken, cosmetics, clothes, cars. And I'm not saying it's not okay to want things. And of course, right. you know, want to have your health in check. Mm -hmm. But this idea that we're not enough is so deeply ingrained in us that it keeps us from connecting to ourselves and to source right. right and to one another right absolutely yeah. so the, changing that belief system of i am enough and incorporating humor i think are two of the greatest gifts we could give ourselves nice yeah wow like i have a friend his name's uh justin michael williams he's like a singer and he leads like workshops and all sorts of things and he has a song called i am enough so as soon as you uh singer said that he has like it, it goes through this i am enough i am enough i am enough and then it ends with like we are enough mm -hmm. and it's a really it's a really awesome song and i actually had him do some stuff when i was um preaching to like kind of during covid he we did like a live stream thing or recording and brought that to the church but the whole idea was that you are enough one of the things like uh that i want to end with too just like jumping off of what you said was i know like i i grew up like being black where i grew up in the south 
like they basically go like, you know, you come into this world and they give you like, here's your script, right? And mom was like, okay, you're black, you live in this neighborhood, you're being raised by a single mom. Here are your options. Which will you choose? Will you be a drug dealer? Will you go to jail before you're 18? Will you be dead before you're 18? Or will you be a pastor? So I was, you know, I took the latter. But it's like uh there was it was just this weird like notion of like what your your limits were. And it was like you're automatically like you're not enough. And if you are some magical way you get around this illusion, then you're an exception to the rule. Right. You know, right. and it's like that's the thing that like that like bugs me the most yep. is the the illusion of being an exception yep. because the conditioning is such that it's like society is telling us that we're not enough and we need all these things outside of ourselves. But we what we've been discussing about laughter that merges emerges from within. You know, that's something that's why some people can like laugh. I, I've done like a class where we had to re- just laugh for no reason, like no jokes, no nothing, just sit there and laugh. And eventually you just start doing it and it, you just start laughing and it comes from inside of you. And so like, if you have that kind of energy, that kind of resurrecting spirit, that kind of revivifying, like almost going to call it technology for some reason with inside of yourself then you are automatically, we are enough. We just have to connect with that. So that's so awesome that you said that. And one of the things I said to folks, um, and I said in my last set was, I ended it with saying, you know, the whole of creation took a vote and said yes to you. And your job is to say yes to yourself and then help other people say yes to themselves. And I think like comedy is a way of saying yes to all that is humanity. Like the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny, the not funny, just like, like, you know, just all of it. So thank you for leaning into that. And um, and I definitely appreciate you joining for the inaugural. It's like perfect. I like I feel like I hit the lotto for my first um, my first guest. Somebody that's accomplished a black woman, all of those things like I'm just already winning. So how can people be in contact with you if they want to do uh, have you speak at one uh, corporately with, through inversity or comedy? What's the best way for people to get in touch? Sure. So I, I, my website is inversity solutions.com. That's I N V E R S I T Y solutions with an S on the end.com. My Instagram handle, Twitter is at Kareth Foster. That's K-A-R-I-T-H Foster, F-O-S-T-E-R. My personal website is Kareth.com. Uh, there aren't too many Kareths out there, so I'm easy to find. Hmm. Uh, and honestly, you could just Google me too or Google Inversity and you'll nice. get to us. And I have an amazing team who we go out of our way to give people and just a, a very special experience because we believe that the people who acknowledge this work and see the value, we we want them to understand how much we appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you so much. And it's great to have you uh, check out Kareth and all the places that she that she uh, outlined. And thank you for being a part of the solution. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe and share with others. And we hope that we can uh, add a little bit more light and laughter and love to this world through the Liberation Comedy Project. Stay tuned for future episodes. Bye.